0: (laughs) All right, Mark 1, 14 through 15. After John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now, just kind of a little background. When I became a Christian, I got saved in 1985. I prefer to do things that way because otherwise I'll have to add up, and I don't want to do any adding while I'm in the pulpit. So I got saved in 1985. So I've been a Christian for a while. And when I got saved, I was presented the gospel of salvation in Christ. I was told that I was a sinner. I was lost. I was going to hell. I needed to get saved to keep from going to hell. And the way you get saved is by accepting the work of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. When you do, you get right with God, and you're going to go to heaven. Anybody here got saved that same way, right? Ephesians 2.8 and 9 classic text by grace you've been saved through faith that not of yourselves it is a gift of God not a result of works, so that no one can boast over the course of time I began to realize that what I was presented was true but it emphasized just a small part of the gospel the emphasis is on salvation which by the way is super duper important until you get saved Nothing else really matters. You need to get saved, right? But did you notice that the scriptures I read focus on the gospel of the kingdom of God? The gospel uh, uh, of John, Jesus, and the disciples, the gospel they preached, was always about the kingdom of God. You say, well, it's the same thing. Is it? That's what we're going to find out today. So I want to talk to you a little bit, and I want to teach you a little bit about the gospel of the kingdom. We're not teaching you a different gospel. Uh, Salvation is part of the gospel. It is is the most important thing, but there's more to this Christian life than just getting saved and going to heaven. And all of that is included in the gospel of the kingdom. Luke 9, one through two, and then verse six, he called his 12 disciples together, gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God. What did he send them to preach? The kingdom of God, right? And to heal the sick. So verse 6, they departed, went through the towns preaching the gospel. What gospel? The gospel of the kingdom of God and healing everywhere they went. All right, now what's the difference between what I would just kind of label as the gospel of salvation. By the way, I'm just calling it that for right now, because if you understood what salvation really means, salvation is spirit, soul, body, relationships, it's every dimension of your life. But when we talk about salvation, most of the time what we're talking about is getting saved so you can go to heaven. All right, So that dynamic we're going to call the gospel of salvation just for this morning and contrast that with the gospel of the kingdom of God. The issue is, when we hear the word gospel or the gospel of salvation, do we, I mean the gospel, let's just say the gospel, uh, 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 just to, to, to include all of those, when we hear the word gospel, do we hear it through the voices of the 16th century reformers whose focus was entirely on salvation? Or do we hear it through the voices of the first century missionaries, apostles, church planners, evangelists, healers, prophets, pastors, and teachers who saw the gospel more as Christus Victor or Christ the Victor? Because of Jesus' death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, and his ascension, He won the victory over the strong man, the devil, so we can be free, not just to go to heaven, but we can be free from sickness, disease, anxiety, depression, everything the devil wants to throw against us. As a result of this victory in his name, not only is there forgiveness of sin and reconciliation to God resulting in eternal life, but there is also power over disease, demons, the devil, and damnation. Healing and miracles are part and parcel of the good news of the kingdom of God. Let me say it this way. They are not just to confirm the message, but they are actually an expression of the message. Yeah. You hearing what I'm saying? All right. So, yes, they confirm the message. They confirm the word of God. But more than that, they are the message. The kingdom of God is at hand. How do I know that? Because what did He say to John? Are you the one who is coming? Uh, you know, or are we looking for somebody else? And what did He say? He said, "Tell them, tell John what's happening. The deaf see, the blind hear, the dead are raised, the lame walk, the uh, you know, the lepers are cleansed. Go tell John this. What's He telling him? This is the kingdom of God, and this is what happens when the kingdom of God shows up, right?" Romans 1 and 16, what did Paul say? I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. That word power is not just it is powerful, it is the power of God For the salvation, the word salvation in the biblical sense is not just so you can go to heaven, but it is the power of God to heal, to deliver, and to set free. For who? For everyone who believes. In the first century, a widow woman who had a flow of blood believed, and her flow of blood was taken care of. You had a lame man uh, uh, who was sitting in front of the temple when Peter James and when Peter and John showed up. They said, "He said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I unto thee." He believed and he was walking, leaping, and praising God. You had two blind men when Jesus was coming by by them. They heard that Jesus was passing this way. They said, "Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me." And they began to cry out until they got Jesus's attention. Jesus turned around and when he we turned around these blind men were set free from their blindness. They were blind and now they could see. It is the power of God for the salvation, the wholeness of everyone who believes. Because that's what salvation means, wholeness. Right? To the Jew first and also to the Greek. With the early church, there was a greater emphasis on Christ the victor. Jesus the Christ as victor over sickness, disease, demons, with the immediate benefits in this life, not just in the next. Over time, this switched to Jesus, the one who saves us from hell and the author of eternal life, which is true. But the emphasis is on the afterlife, not on this life. One emphasized that the benefits of the cross are chiefly for the next life, but the other emphasizes that the cross has benefits not only in the next life, but in this one as well, especially in regard to uh, sickness, sin, and the devil. In Christ's victory, we now have power and victory over disease, the devil, and damnation. Both of these understandings of the work of Jesus on the cross are important. Both are needed and both complement the other. But when getting saved so we can go to heaven is the only emphasis. We lose part of the very heart of the gospel and our ability to approach the throne of grace in our time of need with boldness is weakened. When we understand that the gospel of God the gospel of the kingdom is about the rule and reign of God, God coming in, and and when God comes in, He comes in not just to get you saved to go to heaven, but He comes in that you may have life and life more abundantly. Right? So the second point I want to look at is the kingdom of God is at hand Mark 1 14 through 15 now after John was put in prison Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled the kingdom of God is at hand repent and believe in the gospel when Jesus said that the kingdom or rulership of God had come in him he meant that God had come to claim what was rightfully his the future age, the kingdom of God, invaded the present age, which was under the, uh, uh, the dominion of Satan. Jesus did not consign the kingdom of God to a future millennium. When he said that the kingdom of God had come in him, he claimed for himself the position of a divine invader coming to set everything right. 1 John 3 and 8, the reason the Son of God appeared was to make sure that one day you could spend eternity in heaven. That's true, but that's not what it says. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy in the present the works of the devil. This explains the two-pole pattern of Christ's ministry that was repeated wherever He went. First He proclaimed, then He demonstrated. First he preached repentance and the good news of the kingdom of God and then he cast out demons, healed the sick, raised the dead which proved that he was the presence of the kingdom. He was the anointed one. He, the king of kings and lord of lords, was present in this age that they lived and is present now. Instead of a call to the, kingdom, the king and his kingdom far too often people are hearing a gospel that emphasizes self. Come to Jesus and get this or that need met. Be personally fulfilled. Reach your potential. This, however, is not always the costly kingdom gospel that Christ proclaims. Matthew 16, 24-25, Jesus told the disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Deny his right to self-rule. Take up his cross and follow Me, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Often kingdom life is likened to a Caribbean cruise on a luxury liner. People change into their leisure clothes, grab their suntan lotion, and saunter down to the docks. And what a shock it is when they find that living in the kingdom is really more like enlisting in the navy and doing battle with a vicious enemy. Jesus' message was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It was also this very message he commanded his disciples to proclaim and to preach. Matthew 10, 7-8, as you go proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, drive out demons, freely you receive, freely give. In other words, I'm sending you into a battle. But it's a battle that I've won. It's a battle that I've taken victory over. But it's a battle nonetheless. Go deal with this. In C.S. Lewis's masterpiece, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which we have that book in the library, by the way. The white witch ruled Narnia for years on end. For years it had been winter, always winter, but never Christmas. When Aslan appeared on the scene, who is a type of Christ, the snow began to melt, trees began to bud, and Father Christmas finally arrives. Part of the story. When the witch saw that the snow and ice were melting, the birds were singing, and that spring was beginning to blossom, she began to panic. She was losing her grip on power because he was here. Aslan was on the move. And this is exactly how the demonic realm reacted when Jesus began to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out devils, and preach those terrible words to the enemy. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. What he was saying is Satan's reign of death was coming to an end and Christ was demonstrating it when he healed the sick. Every time a demon was cast out, Jesus was demonstrating that he had authority over the God of this world and that the kingdom of God was going to come and destroy the kingdom of darkness. Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. What do I have to say about that? The kingdom of God is at hand. Those seven words struck terror into Satan's very heart, and I want to tell you something, it still does. Third point I want to look at, citizens of the kingdom, Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the... But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Through his work on the cross, Christ reconciled the world to himself. Without this work of reconciliation, we would still be bound to sin and under the power of the devil. But Christ put an end to sin's authority over us and offered us the ability to become citizens of his Kingdom, the authority of Christ, his kingdom is at hand and you can enter into it. I want to see if I have that in here. Do I have that in here? Oh, I accidentally took it out. What does it say in John, uh, verse 3? Not, um, let let me turn there. Since I don't have it in my notes, I have it in this. Oh, Pastor's opening his Bible again. Wow. John chapter 3. We're going to look. There's a guy by the name of Nicodemus who came to Jesus this night, and what did he say to Jesus? Uh, He said, uh, uh, truly, he said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher come from God, verse 2, for no one can do these signs. And Jesus answers him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless this one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. All right? Why is this important? What Jesus is saying, the kingdom of God is at hand. You can't enter into the kingdom, but the only way to enter into the kingdom is you must be born again we know now that how do you become born again whoever calls in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ he who believes in the work that Jesus did died uh, uh, buried rose again on the third day whoever believes in him uh, he that knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God if you confess the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead you will be saved why will you be saved because you will be born again and God himself will make his home with you and you and God will be uh, together you will be one Christ in you, the Lord of glory. Paul said, it is no longer I that live, but, uh, but Christ in me. And the life I live, in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When you got saved, when you got born again, you and God were reconciled together and Christ took up residence inside of you. The spirit of the living God lives inside of us, right? So what happened? Well, we got born again, but we became citizens. We entered in. We became citizens of the kingdom. The authority of Christ, His kingdom is at hand, and you can enter in. You need only reject your citizenship in the kingdom of darkness. And yes, if you're not a citizen of the kingdom of God, you are presently a citizen of the kingdom of darkness. You're not a free lancer. You are not uh, free to do what you want. You are either in the kingdom of darkness or you are a citizen of the kingdom of light. Amen? Okay, so you have to reject your citizenship in the kingdom of darkness. That's why sometimes when we pray for people and we lead them to be born again, we'll say, I renounce Satan and his kingdom and I embrace and receive God, Christ, and his kingdom." When we uh, uh, renounce the kingdom of darkness and we have to submit. Oops, I just said a bad word. We have to submit to a new king. He that would come after me must deny himself, deny his right to self-rule, allow God to sit on the throne of your life, take up his cross and follow him. We who have submitted to the king of this new kingdom, Jesus himself, has, have his kingdom and his authority residing within us. Luke 9, 1-12, when Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases and he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God. The rule and reign of God is at hand and because of that to heal the sick. He gave the disciples power and authority to cure diseases and drive out all demons. According to Acts 1 and 8, power was to come from the Holy Spirit. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. What kind of witnesses are we going to be? We're going to proclaim, but we're also going to do. What are we going to do? The works that I did, greater works than these shall you do, because I go to my Father which is in heaven. What did Jesus do? He healed the sick, raised the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Acts 1 and 8, power was to come from the Holy Spirit. Power is the ability, strength, and the might to complete a given task. Authority is the right to use that power. I think it says in Luke uh, 10 and 19, uh, I've given you authority over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. Our difficulty, then, if all of this has been given to us and we're citizens of the kingdom, why do we struggle? Our difficulty is that we've not learned to receive or to give orders. What do you got to learn in the military? How to receive orders, and you also have to learn how to give orders. If you're an authority and you're a command, what do you got to learn? That when you give an order, it must be obeyed. Right? Well, wait a minute, this isn't, I didn't know, I, I, I thought that we were just part of a, a group. I thought we were just fellowshipping together. I, I thought we are that, but I'm trying to get you to understand that it's more than that, right? We're in a battle, but we're in a battle that's been won 2,000 years ago at the cross of Calvary. We're in a battle that we will win. What did Paul say? We're not just overcomers, we are more than overcomers. What did John say in the book of Revelation? And they overcame. How did they overcame? By the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, because they did not love their lives even unto death. In other words, they were committed. What, I say? They, what do you say all the time, Marty? They, it, was, it was the whole hog. Down in Texas we say the whole enchilada. Anyway, they were in it. Come good or bad, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. No matter what you threaten me with, just like Danny said, no matter what you threaten me with, whether it be lions or fire, we're not bowing down, we're going to worship God. Whether it costs us any anything or everything, we're going to worship God. And because of that, those three, four kids that were in government turned the whole nation of Babylon around. Our difficulties that we've not learned to receive or give orders. We often misunderstand our initial call to Christ. We think that the key to maturity and power is to be good. We then focus on behavior. Rather, the key to uh, power and authority and to maturity is to hear his voice and do his will. What he commands, I do. That's called a power, pause. We're letting it sink in. What he commands, we do. The works of the kingdom are performed through us. Thus, our purpose is to witness about what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do. Matthew 6, 9, and 10. Our Father in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, that sounds kind of vague. That sounds kind of general. I don't mind talking about that. Well, let's talk personal. What Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in my life, as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in my family, as it is in heaven. What did Joshua say? Well, I don't know about you, but as, me, as for me and my house, I, we will serve the Lord. One of the things that I started doing, I take communion in the mornings as well, and uh, one of the things that that I, I've learned to do, the Bible says uh, again, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of those who believe whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved my understanding though of salvation is not just I'm going to heaven, that's important but uh, wholeness, spirit soul, body, relationships, finance every dimension of my life, uh, he who the son sets free is free indeed I've come that you may have life, life more abundantly so when I say God, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, I'm meaning everything, I'm I'm pursuing in the whole enchilada right but not only that it said to the jailer Paul said to the jailer believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your household shall be saved now I understand the dynamic that that's what was taking place in that particular situation at that particular time but something about that grabbed a hold of me and I began to think to myself I called upon you Lord and when I got saved I believe not just for me but me and my household And you may think, well, that's good. I'll just believe for God and me me and my family. I've got three, four people in my family. And so we're believing God for that. No, I'm believing God for me and my household. David said it was called the house of David. His lineage from that point on. I'm believing God for me and my lineage, my progeny are going to get saved and serve God. He said, well, you can't do that. Why not? All things are possible for those who believe. I'd rather shoot for a high bar and fail and accomplish something greater than shoot for a low bar and make it but not accomplish very much. You hear what I'm saying? Matthew 11 and 12, advancing the kingdom. That's the fourth point we want to look at here. Uh, Matthew 11 and 12, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. Who is attacking the territory of who? Is Satan attacking our territory or is Christ attacking his? And what difference does the answer to this question make to us? The difference affects our attitude and stance toward the Christian life. If Jesus is the invader, Satan is on the defensive. We become offensive soldiers taking territory and redeeming lives. We're thrust into the middle of a battle with Satan and our mission is to rescue those who have been taken captive as a result of Adam's fall. Romans 15 and 19, Paul said, when he said, I proclaimed the gospel everywhere, through all, all these places, he says, in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and roundabout to Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Now, I want to show you something here. In the Greek version, the word proclaimed is missing. It's been added to the text during translation. Thus the text can more accurately be translated, I have fulfilled the gospel. I have completed the gospel. Or I have filled up this entire region with the gospel. Perhaps the best way to get the meaning of of this in light of its context would be to say that Paul fully presented the gospel in what he said and what he did by word and deed, by signs and wonders that accompanied the declaration of the good news and were part and parcel of the good news itself. That the kingdom of God has broken upon the kingdom of this world and Satan has been bound and his house is now being blundered. Plundered. Paul is teaching a... Full gospel. You hear what I'm saying? Now that we, we consider the full gospel I mean. I got saved and I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and now I go to church and I dance in the Spirit, I fall out every once in a while, every once in a while, I do a little dance, do a little jig, but really, I'm just kind of biding my time until Jesus comes back and I go to heaven, right? That's our understanding of the full gospel. To me, the full gospel means, and what we're trying to get you to understand, is it's the gospel of the kingdom. I've been saved and I've been empowered and I've been listed into the kingdom of God, into the people of God, so that I can go forth in the world and I can destroy the works of the enemy because God has sent me there and He is with me. We've got to take it to heart. If God before us, Who can stand against us? Something inside of us, like David, needs to rise up and say, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that is standing against the people in the armies of God? Something inside of us has to get, well, I just didn't, uh, 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 how can you expect that of me? I don't expect that of you. Jesus expects that of us. We just didn't know. We've just been comfortable getting saved going to heaven. And Jesus is saying, but that's not what I saved you for. I do go, I'm going to spend eternity with you if you will do what I say. But what I've called you to do is I've called you to bring my kingdom, the realities of my kingdom, the power of my kingdom in a manifestation in your life, your family, your community, your church, your school, everywhere around where you go. The presence of God is with you. And what happens when the presence of God is with you? People get saved, healed, delivered, and set free. And when they get saved, healed, delivered, and set free, it's not just because God is saying, hey, I just want you to know that I'm with you. No, when they get saved, healed, delivered, and set free, that is the kingdom of God manifesting. That is the gospel. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That doesn't mean that we don't talk, but there's got to be a walk, and there's got to be deeds to follow up or talk. I don't have this in there, but uh, I'm, I'm just reminded of what happened in Acts chapter 19. It happened while Paul was at Corinth that he passed through the inland and he asked some disciples, "Is there, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe?" We didn't even hear there's a Holy Spirit. And he said, well, you need the Holy Spirit. It's a baptism of power. He lays hands on them. The Holy Spirit came upon them. They began speaking in other tongues and prophesying. And he entered into the synagogue, began speaking, reasoning, and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, uh, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannius. What was he doing? Proclaiming the kingdom of God. This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Why did all the residents of Asia hear? It's not because he had a television ministry. He didn't have a radio ministry. It's not because he talked to all of them. What was happening is he was talking about and teaching them about the kingdom of God, and then they would go out and talk and teach about the kingdom of God. But you say, well, you said that there's got to be more than that. Yes. Well, let me show you the rest of the story. Verse 11, and God was doing extraordinary things miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched uh, his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and evil spirits came out of them they said well wait a minute who was carrying them away the people that were hearing the gospel of the kingdom they said hey what God is doing here he can do in my house he said I can either go myself or I can take a point of contact I can take a handkerchief let me take something but I believe that when I teach just like Paul teaches and this happens I believe that when I go and I teach something should happen. It's what's demonstrated to me, and it's what I need to be doing. And what happened? Incredible miracles took place. In fact, God was doing so many miracles that he upped his game, and he began to do extraordinary miracles. What is an extraordinary miracle? Well, I can't tell you, uh, you know, exactly what it is, but I can tell you this, it's more than the ordinary. (laughs) Right? That's why it's called extraordinary. We're believing God for miracles. Right? I want miracles, you say, well. You've got to get, you know, you're, you're, you're doing, you're, you're just, you're trying to get it famous, or you're trying to do, no, I'm trying to get us to proclaim what the Bible says is the gospel. Amen. Jesus himself said he gave gifts to men. One of those gifts was gifts of healings through the spirit of God and the working of miracles. God empowered his church through the empowerments of God, the gifts of the Spirit to do what? The working of miracles. So why are we considered to be pompous or presumptuous when we want to see what God gave us manifest in our midst? Now, we still are believing God for miracles, but I want miracles to be so normal that they become ordinary. It's normal for people to get healed of diabetes. It's normal for people to come in and oh, what happened? Another person got healed of cancer. Yeah, praise the Lord. That's awesome. I know it's great, but uh, you know, yeah, that's well, how many this week? 359. Uh, well, thank you, Lord. It's great. Keep doing what you're doing. But what is an extraordinary miracle? Limbs grow back, right? Organs grow back not just grow it's, it's not just a hey you had something and no it's a creative miracle. you have healing you know what a healing is? Healing is when you you have something that's not well and God brings that healing into your life. you know you so your liver's not well but you have a liver. What is a miracle when God gives you a liver and you don't have one right? Healing is, man, my eyes aren't that good. You pray for somebody, and they start to see better. What's a miracle when you have no eyeballs? You know when Jesus prayed for that guy that had no eyeballs? He said, how do you know he had no eyeballs? Because they all knew that he, hadn't, he was born that way. How do you know when somebody's born that way? had no eyeballs. I heard somebody say that, and it made sense to me. Well, that's why Jesus took mud, because how did God form man? Mud, he took mud and he put it on his eyes. And what was he doing? He was creating eyeballs. Right? And then not only did he create the eyeballs, he gave that mud the ability to see. To me, that is a miracle. You hear what I'm saying? God was doing extra ordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. So in other words, what I'm trying to get you to understand is that Paul said, I have fulfilled the gospel. I have completed the gospel. How did I do that? By the power of the Spirit of God in mighty signs and wonders. Paul fully presented the gospel and what he said and what he did by word and deed, by signs and wonders that accompany the declaration of the good news and were part and parcel of the good news itself that the kingdom of God has broken upon the kingdom of this world and Satan has been bound and his house, his house, we keep thinking that our house is being plundered by all the devil's running after me, the devil's been doing this and we're not saying that that doesn't happen at times because he is a thief, he comes to steal, kill and destroy and you know, a lot of times we're just trying to keep him out but at some point we got to realize that, hey, we got to do more than just keep him out. We've come to destroy the works of the enemy. God set me free from fear and anxiety. So now what? I said, thank you, God, that's awesome. He's out of my house, but now I want to start looking for other people that are going through the same thing so I can help them get rid of him out of their house as well. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's what Jesus would do. Paul is teaching a full Gospel, and this full gospel could not have been completely demonstrated or presented without the words and the deeds. What was said and done, the signs and wonders, the healings of miracles. I want you to know that. We hear it all the time. It's happening in Africa, it's happening in India. Why does it happen over there? Maybe God doesn't want to do it over here. No, God wants to do it over here. He's the same God in this uh, uh, land as he is over there. It's not failure on the part of God. Where's the failure? I believe many times the failure is on our part. Why? Because we're not a, we're not we're not How should I say this Um, a person that has no food will eat whatever is offered to them a person that's full or is not very hungry gets picky you understand if you have a lot of options you get picky I remember uh, when my kids are little they're not here so they can't say dad don't talk a bit I might pay for it later that's okay I'm willing to go there all right when my kids were little, right, um, they they were in the house, and we would take them everywhere. We you know we we would always look for deals. We'd go to uh, wherever they had a dollar ninety nine child's meal, or you know uh, sometimes a free kids meal. You know that's where we were going, right? Because their kids would guess what they got older. But they ended up because of these things, they got to eat a lot of different places. We have a lot of choices in town, right? And oftentimes we have the means to go to these things. When they got older, you know, they started going their own way. They had their own lives. I mean, they still live in the home, but they have their own lives. Sometimes they come back. And, you know, I would say, hey, you want to go grab something to eat? And my desire was not where we were going. My desire is I want to spend time with my daughter. And I say daughter because I have two daughters, right? I want to spend time with my child. And they would say, where are you going? <laughs> right? Well, how about Louie's? No, I don't want to go. I don't want to go, right? But where do you want to go? I want to go to Fogo de Chao. <laughs> I want to eat some caviar. I want to have some fragois. He said, okay, so what happens is they have choices, right? And if you happen to land on one of their choices, they might say yes. But it's, 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 if, they, if they don't happen to land on their choices, they say no. Right? So a lot of times what happens in the United States is we get used to having so we can go to the doctor, we can go to the physician, we can go to the surgeon, we can go to the psychologist, we can go, we have all these different choices. And Jesus comes along and he's another option. We're not saying that we don't recognize he's another option, but he's another option. Right? And so if it works, great, doesn't work, I still got options to go so we give it a try. in other countries they have no other options blessed are the poor in spirit why because they have no other options you now have an option the only option that many of them have seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So, what I'm trying to say: God is the same yesterday, and today, and forever. I'm not saying we shouldn't go to doctors. I'm not saying we shouldn't do these things. I, I'm, I'm for them. I'm not saying that. It's an attitude of the heart, though. That I really believe that Jesus is my healer. When I was going through, when I was going through, my, we 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 contracted and we were battling uh, with COVID in December. But we had. Access to, uh, we decided to go the frontline doctor route, so we did that. We had access to the medications, we already had them in the store, so we started taking the medications and doing everything. They, so I'm not against medications, right? We're doing that. And um, part of the, the, the thing that they asked us to do was to take steroids, and I don't react well to steroids, I just don't react well to steroids. And I'm thinking to myself, oh no, what am I gonna do? I can't do the routine, I can't do this. So I was presented another option, I went into the other option started feeling better my wife is struggling I said just do the protocol do what you're supposed to do you're gonna get better and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that but somewhere in the middle of that I began to realize wait a minute I've made the medicine my what am I the medicine I'm looking to the medicine to bring healing and not to the Lord Right. right I got my eyes off the Lord and I got my eyes on the medicine now I'm not telling you not to take the medicine I'm just saying I, my heart was in the wrong place and I went to my wife who was struggling I said uh, I said Anna I took an infusion I got an infusion therapy therapy I said it's time we start doing some intercessory therapy and she was struggling for a couple days. And so for, the, for a couple days, I'd come in there morning and night, and we just pray together. And you know what? She got better. My brother-in-law called us. He prayed over us. I knew when he prayed over us, something broke. You know, it took a couple of more days before we started to see a difference, but I knew something broke. I want you to know, the Bible says, uh, um, the horse is prepared for battle, but the Lord gives the victory. Right? So you have a horse. There's nothing wrong with having a horse. That was the tank of the day. But don't forget, it's not the tank that gives you victory. It's God. And a lot of times what happens in the United States of America, because we have so much, we have so many choices, we, we, God is an option, but he's not the only option. God has to be the only option. If you want to see God do what he's going to do in your life, he has to be the focus of your faith. Put your eyes on him. When Jesus went to Nazareth, he could not do many miracles there. And Why? Not because he didn't have the potential. Not because it wasn't happening everywhere we went. Why couldn't he do that? Because of their unbelief. Are you saying that if I don't get healed, it's because I don't have faith? I'm not saying that at all. We're not saying that at all. But we're not going to negate the fact that faith is important to see healing in your life. You've got to believe that God is who he says he is. You've got to believe that he's the same God today as he was yesterday. You've got to believe that the same God that healed the sick, raised the dead then, is the same God that's healing the sick, raising the dead now. You've got to believe like the woman with the issue of blood. If I can just grab a hold of the hem of his garden, I too will be saved. There's something to that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Signs and wonders are to accompany the message. They belong together because the word is powerful and effective to bring about reconciliation, forgiveness, new birth, but also healing and deliverance. In the proclamation of the kingdom, when we preach about the gospel of the kingdom of God, the rule of God impacts every area of our lives, not just whether or not we're going to get to heaven or not. Spirit, soul, body, relationships, finances, in the present, not just the future. Every area of our life is and is meant to be impacted by the kingdom of God. And where the kingdom of God is, it's not a negative thing, it's a positive thing. The kingdom of heaven is not a matter of meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So what am I trying to bring out here? uh, Let me just wrap this up. The kingdom of heaven is at hand for us as well. To the extent that we submit to Jesus as king, we will receive the blessings of being in his kingdom. Peace, healing, joy, righteousness, the glory of a new creation, the power of the age to come, and the presence of the blessed Holy Spirit are all available to those who will put their trust in King Jesus. John 3 and 3, this is where it was. He answered, said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. If you've already received the kingdom in your your life, you are now an ambassador of his kingdom. Paul says we are ambassadors for Christ, bringing the message of God to those that don't know. What is an ambassador? An ambassador is someone that brings the will of God, uh, uh, the will of their government to the place where they're at. Right, an ambassador does not have the freedom to change uh, policy in the government that they represent. Whatever this word says is goes. Right, what do you think about this? Well, it doesn't matter what I think. This is what the Word of God teaches. What do you think about this? Do you think healing is for today, whether I believe it or not? Doesn't really matter. What matters is God says it's for today. Right, this is the will of God. This is what God desires. I'm an ambassador for the kingdom. And I want you to know, I believe that the word of God teaches us for today. Every dimension of our life, the kingdom of God wants to impact. If you've already received the work of the kingdom of God in your life, you're an ambassador for the kingdom. Go and be a witness to the blessings you've received and bring the kingdom of God to those around you who need it. Not just... You need to get saved to go to heaven. And again, that's the most important thing. Until they, until they do that, nothing else really matters. It, but you can also uh, uh, be a dispenser, uh, be an instrument that God uses to bring all aspects of the kingdom to somebody. Sometimes people don't get saved until they experience the goodness of God. People experience the healing of God. The blind men receive the healing of God, and then what happened? They follow Jesus. Jesus. He said, said, what do you want? They said, well, we want to see. He said, no, 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 you, you missed it. You need to get saved first. Let me tell you how you got to be born again, how you got to... No, he prayed for them that they would be healed. And when they got healed and they were able to see, then they followed Jesus. Now, the pattern most of the time is you preach the gospel and then you pray for them. But you can also pray for them and then preach the gospel. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's the goodness of God that brings people to you. Repentance, it's the kindness of God. Mark 16, 15 through 18, this is the last scripture I have. And he said to them, go on all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. What gospel? The gospel that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of God is in your midst. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. Right? In my name, they will cast out demons. Demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Why? Because the kingdom of God is...